Welcome to episode 455 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 455 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Owls. How you going, mate? Pretty good, pretty good. It's pretty hot today, isn't it? It's pretty toasty. You might even get one more dip in our pool. Do you um? Do you have a fan in your office? No, no, my office is downstairs, so it's okay. It's and it's on the dark side of the house, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so mine's, mine's on the dark side too, but I'm pretty hot today. You're always hot, Bevan. Well, that's what, that's what I tell the ladies. <laughs> I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Trainerroad.com. Oh, get on it, team. Join our team. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer team. Okay, this week's show, we're actually doing it very early this week because I'm off um, being a supermodel this week for Tourism New Zealand, so maybe somewhere around the world you see me. Um, and so we're doing this on Friday afternoon, and uh, New Zealand's playing cricket, so John's going to give us cricket updates as we go throughout the day. I can do that for you. Yeah, there we go. And... Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, anyway, so maybe a little bit of a different show. So we've got some news. We've got uh, an age group of the week. Statistic. People have delivered on the statistic, which is very good. Uh, we've also got age group of the week, and we've got an interview. We've got Braden Curry. Tell us about that, Jombo. It's Braden Curry. You will have heard us talk about him on the show over the summer months or the New Zealand summer months, and he is a multi-sporter who is trying his hand at triathlon and doing pretty damn well at it. So we're finding out the gossip on what his plans are and where he's going to be. And you'll hear about a swimming, and it does my head in, but we'll talk about that later on. Uh, and then we've got some questions and answers at the end. So first of all, John, it's a big weekend this weekend. You know, we talk about iconic races in the year, and Ironman Melbourne is coming up, and it's uh, it's a pretty big race. It was a, Last year was a cracking race. So well, last you know, year it's we been, had, a, been a few crackers, haven't there? Yeah, but last year was particularly yeah. good. Yeah. Particularly good. So it was just a, a real duke off in those last uh, couple of Ks where you had Dirk Bockel just hanging on to win by about a minute from Paul Matthews, who in turn was less than a minute in front of David Dallow and all three of them. You know, when you had one one aerial shot, you know, you could all see they were within a couple of hundred metres of each other. So it was a fantastic race on the guys' side of things, very close. And equally on the girls, you had Caroline Stephan and Mary Beth Ellis um, within sort of five minutes of each other as well. So Good racing, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this year pans out because what we're going to find with the race this year is they uh, Ironman are trialling out their new tracking system. Yeah, which could be uh, cool. It could be really cool. So if you want to find out a bit more about that, go and have a look at um, Torsten's website on tryrating.com and he's got a little preview there of the, the little units there they've got to carry. So all the pro athletes have to carry a little GPS tracking unit when they're on the bike and the run, and it sounds like it definitely is mandatory, so everybody has to do it, and they give them a little pouch to carry them around in. Um, and the one thing I would say is they, they certainly look a lot bigger than the, the little unit that I carried around in Kona, which was probably the size of a, a matchbox um, and was not overly, you know, was not overly a uh, obtrusive in terms of carrying it it was a little bit of extra weight this thing here looks you know the size of a uh, almost the size of a phone so it's you know they've all got to do it so it's all fair so i mean uh, as torsten put in here you know a few of them are probably going to grumble about it but 
it's the same for everybody. So I think we'll really oh, but, you see know, but what it's going to be like. But for spectators, it's like it's great because you know you can watch the race and it's a much more interesting experience mm. to actually see what's actually happening on the course. So for a, a little bit of a weight cost, you know, I think the pros can handle it. Especially on a course like this, which is point to point. Um, so you know when you've got multi lap courses you kind of get to see your person you're supporting whether they be pro or age group but uh when it's point to point you don't have a clue where they are if you're biking along and you're trying to get into different spots to see your your partner run past but i suppose this is only for the pros but it's a step in the, maybe a step in the right direction where they might be able to open this up for age groupers further down the track but uh yeah i'm really interested to see a how it works and uh and and see how they use it to enhance their coverage so Good on Iron Man for uh, for stumping up and, and making something happen. Yeah, it is cool. And if we think about if this works well here, obviously they'll probably try chuck it in Kona this year. Oh no, it's, it's in Kona this year. It's oh, in all the, uh, the championship, all the championship. Races. Okay, great. So you know, like that's going to be pretty cool because one of the complaints we always have about Kona is the coverage is really great, but you only ever get to see the front people. Whereas mm. if on Iron Man Live at the same time, you can see that tracking will make it pretty cool. John, mm. I have to say that the the males field's not hugely strong. Yeah, but I'm pretty excited about the girls' field. So why don't yeah, we the start? Yeah, the girls' is awesome. The girls are going to be interesting. So it's a four thousand point race, one hundred fifty thousand prize money. So more points and also more prize money than your standard Ironman. Uh, the girls is a interesting because your top three are three of the biggest hitters in the sport. You've got Marinda Carfrey, Caroline Stephen, and Yvonne Van Vlerken who have proved you know they can make the the podium in Kona. And then uh, interestingly though for me is you've got Mel Halsteig yeah. who has done one Ironman last year and won that in was it was in Cairns I think it was or was it no it wasn't Cairns it was uh, Port Macquarie one one or the other I think it was Port Macquarie, but probably more so she could. Who knows what she could do? You know, she's as good a runner, arguably, as Miranda Carfrey. Certainly over 70.3, she's as good a runner. A Ryan man yet to be seen what she yeah. can do. So she's one that's going to be thrown into the mix. And the other one, which could be really interesting, is uh, Annabelle Luxford, who is very accomplished. 70.3 athlete and very strict and is strong on the bike, um, good enough on the run. She'll be you know, right up there after the swim as well. So going to be really interested to see how she goes and also Melissa Halshite, how she goes because, uh, yeah, she could be, you know, a potential Kona winner if she can race at the same standard that she does at 70.3. Well, I think Caroline as well because, you know, like I know Caroline hasn't quite cracked that kind of Kona race. And, and sometimes you start to wonder if it's all inside her head, but she's had the, what, I think last week was the fifth fastest I'm distance mm. race of all time in Melbourne. She cracked it that day. She absolutely smashed it. So she probably comes into this race with a bit more confidence on how to be successful in this race, and sometimes that can make a big difference, eh? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, she's, you know, time is ticking away for her in terms of uh, how many more years she's got to, to be a contender, you know. So some of those girls are getting towards the middle to latter part of their careers. So um, I, interestingly, I saw just today uh, a, a side topic. I saw that Andreas Raylert still got the burning desire to go and win Kona. So he's going to keep keep going back. And he said, you know, the last couple of years have been injury injury ravaged, but he still thinks he's got what it takes to win Kona. So, but so again, Caroline's he's, currently 36. 36, yeah. so yeah. Yep. So, um, the one other one to watch out on the girls' side of things that could be interesting. My pick is I don't think she'll do anything in terms of uh, getting in the top two or three. Is Laura Bennett, who's Greg Bennett's wife, who is a multiple Olympian and fantastic short course racer. Uh, she's obviously done uh, at least one Ironman because she's rated on Torsten's rankings here. So you know she can 
swim fantastic she can run fantastic whether she can run well off the bike after 180 k's and whether she can keep up on the bike is another story but uh, she could be another one to watch so quite a few plots and subplots there within the women's race and also be interesting to see what sort of shape Miranda Carfrey is in whether she's there to tick the box and finish and be as competitive as she can with the fitness that she's got or whether she has really trained up a storm and is in, uh, is in A-game fitness. So the, this is, this is, uh, then the question goes, Jombo, why isn't the men's field so strong? You know, you've got Nils and Fromhole there. You've got, you know, you've got some good guys. Yeah. But it's not like it's been the previous years. Yeah, so you haven't got, you know, say your Crowe and your Marino. Yeah. Um, uh, Bockle. Yeah, Bockle guys. Brown, like you, when he yeah. was sharp, you know, like. So, yeah, as you said, I think it's going to be a really interesting race because a lot of the guys are pretty even. So Nils, Nils Frumhold is clearly the favourite. You know, he's at a top 10 and top, I think it was even top five almost in Kona, and he's won races before, so he is seeded number one by nearly 10 minutes yeah, on uh, Torsten's ratings. But then you've got, you got Tim Burkle, who, you know, he was in the top 10 in Kona. You've got Marco Albert, who won Ironman New Zealand in convincing fashion. You've got guys like Luke Bell and Jeff Simons who are, you know, they're, they're Good athletes, but they're not sort of top five Kona dudes. But so I think it could be a really interesting Brad race. Brad Carterfelt. So yeah, he's making his Ironman debut. My pick is probably won't uh, won't be a factor. I, th- I think that he's he's Nobody known off. he's known not to be an axe on the bike. You know, he's an awesome awesome runner, and he's a good enough swimmer and Ironman to keep up with any of these guys. But yeah, un, well, who knows? Unproven, but uh, he hasn't set the world on fire with the 70.3s when the bike it seems to have got a little bit tough. So could that, could cause a surprise, but who knows? But I suppose the question is, why isn't this a championship field? You know, like, because, mm. you know, like you might say it's Abu Dhabi. I mean, Dubai a couple of weeks ago, but that's only 70.3 and it's a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, they, they, they are putting on these championship races to get the best field three or four times a year. Um, well, it hasn't one, really happened here. Yeah, one thing that could potentially change things is they have pulled the, the North American Championships, I think, are in May now. And yeah. so you've got basically this championship race this weekend. You're going to have South Africa, which is, I think, next weekend or the weekend after. And that's a, another regional championship race. So it's going to have good points associated with it. So, And then you've got the South American Championships as well. So, you know, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, don't, don't have a good answer why it's not a strong field. And there's only you know, there's only about 20 pro guys. Callum Millwood is making his Ironman debut. So if you guys, any of you guys watch Cupcakes with Cal, he is making his Ironman debut and going to see if he can make it to Kona. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. Um, Challenge have announced uh, March 5th, 2015 says Challenge family introduced a new system to ensure anyone racing in the professional category at Challenge branded events holds a current professional license or supporting documentation. The pro athlete system has been introduced to ensure governance of professional athletes holding a current professional license or supporting documentation from the National Federation and therefore eligibility to race in the pro category at any Challenge family full distance or half distance event. Yeah, so I mean, the only thing that came out of this for me is uh, really if you if you go into this as a, if you you join any challenge race as a pro, it's free free to apply, and then you get free entry into any challenge half or full distance races. Oh um, wow! I didn't see so, that. Oh, wow. Which is so basically good. it means pro pro racing's free. It does. Oh, is, there, is there a cricket update? He's disappeared on me. No, no, I was just uh, turning my phone off. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess in theory, Ironman races, you, you have to pay $750, I think it is, for your license. Whereas now, you know, and then you can race as many races as you like. With Challenge, you know, you pay $0 and you can race as many races as you like. So again, a, a small point of difference to try to lure some of the, perhaps the sort of second tier pros to maybe think twice about where they're going to do their racing. So uh, good move, Challenge. I've got to give a bit of love as well to um, WTC today, Bevan. Oh, John, what's happening? Are you okay? Too, Are you okay? Too, too hot in that room. Um, firstly, I went on to the Asia Pacific to go check out this this month's. In, oh, somebody's calling me on Skype. They're obviously trying to get hold of me, Bevan. Mobile Skype's going off. You missed anyway, the popular. So on their website, they had the pro fields up there. Oh, well done. They had the pro fields. They had two articles. They had an article on the male race and an article on the female race. Wow. And then, so I've got to give them a bit of love for that. Also got to give them a bit of love from Ironman New Zealand because uh, bro old uh, Dr. Feelgood Dave Dwan yeah. got knocked off his bike. The day uh, before yeah. the race, I see, I heard. Yeah, and so and he got wiped out from, from competing in the race. He managed to go off and do the swim. But he got Ironman um, sent somebody around to the hospital, picked him up from the hospital, took him oh, back to his motel great. and stuff. So um, good on WTC for looking after the athletes. And is he okay? Um, he's, yeah, he's got a few concussion sort of things to deal with you have to be careful uh, of concussion it's it's often the thing that can uh, go on for longer than you think you know can have mm. some pretty big implications oh hopefully it's okay um jumbo sponsor athlinks.com now coaches take note take note athlinks is a fantastic tool if some of your record keeping is not quite up to date it's all coaches or you know even if you're a, a part-time coach just with your, your local club or anything like that if you're ever not quite sure what your athletes' PBs are or anything like that, as long as they're on Athlinks, you can quickly go on there and just give yourself a little quick refresher. It's helped me out multiple times, Bevan, I tell you. So if you haven't, you know, say you're thinking... Tips of the trade. Yeah, I I think that, you know, Joe Bloggs had a pretty good race here at Ironman, but I don't want to go say, hey, fantastic race, when you can't remember what their personal best was, because sometimes you look at the time and go, that's pretty good, but it might have actually been a really crap race for them. Uh, You can flip on to Athlinks, Check out what their PR is or their PB time is, and, uh, and then you can come across a hell of a lot more professional and knowledgeable. So coaches, take note. Get your athletes on Athlinks and get your club members on Athlinks. Get your friends on there, and then you can have a better – give them better feedback after races and give them the big ups when they had fantastic races and also when they've had average races, you've got a fair idea of how you should pitch your conversation. It's always interesting that moment when you ask somebody how their race went and they'll give you a time and you may not know what a good time is for them. So you go, yes. oh yeah, that's really good. And they go, no, it's crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't so. give people the, yeah. If you've had a crap race, you, you then you can go in there and you can commiserate with them a little bit. How, um, how do you deal with that? Because as a coach, you know, like, you know, you you hope that your athletes, you know, you ultimately, oh, yeah. you know, you want your coach athletes, but you know, no athlete's going to get the perfect day every time. As a coach, how do you deal with that when they don't have the day they hope for? Well, you make sure you've got a few positives to go on with first, because usually you're not going to have a crap swim, crap bike, crap run all the way through. So you know, you're always trying to find the positives first, look at the areas to to work on. But, yeah, there's always positives in there. So, again, you can use Athlinks. You know, you'll be able to see their splits up there and you'll be able to say, geez, man, you had a wicked bike there. So you don't go, you had a crap run. You go, you had a pretty wicked bike, and then you can get a little bit of comeback from that. So, And then you go, you had um, a crap run. Yeah, then you go, oh, man, that run was crap. It's <laughs> appalling. <laughs> appalling. Yeah. So um, you've got to call a spade a spade. When, some, when, you, when it's crap, it's crap. Um, but anyway, from a coaching point of view, yeah, you definitely always go in and, and 
find the good points and then find the areas that uh, people need to work on and then try to work out the solutions if something didn't go right try to find out um you know the reasons why that might have been so yeah, use Athlinks to help become a better coach. Yeah, Athlinks.com, guys. It's the record of your athletic career. Team, uh, went on Iron Talks discussion of the week this week, and we had a really good discussion last week around uh, females in the sport, really, to be honest. And there was, there was some kind of big discussions, and John and I got, got kind of deep on it, didn't we, Jumbo? And so what we did is we asked the question... Um, after this week's big discussion around females in sport, we have a couple of questions for our female listeners. So if you're a guy, if you have, if you have the, what is it, the, the banger and the sausage, you weren't allowed to, yeah. to answer this one. What is it about Ironman that made you, the sport appealing to you? Do you think that your non-triathlon friends would ever want to do Ironman? And it was probably more female friends. And lastly, do you think that the men are trying to restrict you in the sport? Because I think, I can't remember who it was last week. Do you know who it was who was kind of complaining that we're being a bit sexist? Um, Adrian Adrian yeah Adrian was kind of saying it was appalling for us to even contemplate this question or even ask the question around the fairness in the sport and uh, so this what led to this and so do you want to go first Jumbo yep Chrissy McKinley it was uh, a terrifying the terrifying challenge of Ironman and seemed like a natural progression for me following my foray into multi-sport then Olympic then half nothing to do with the amount of blokes around I think men can be more supportive than women um more supportive of women than women are with each other is despite what all the bra-burning feminists say, as a gender, we can be highly competitive and a little catty with each other. But I wouldn't be without my close girlfriends for the world, though. But no, I don't think men are restrictive at all. And as Zoe says, most blokes I know are encouraging. Okay, Emma Hill's got, uh, I've seen my dad do them and then I was convinced I could do better. I'm unique out of my female friends doing them and all of them say it's way too much for them to do an Ironman from the time commitments, kids, work, etc. To the huge distance. However, they all have a crack at a a sprint or a list Olympic distance for sure. Even a lot of my male friends think that I'm crazy for doing Ironman. 50-50% participation in the sport would be amazing and should be encouraged. But I think 50-50% participation in Ironman is a bridge too far. It's very selfish sport. And let's be honest, blokes are more selfish than women. (laughs) Fair call. Yeah, hear that. Fair call. Emma... Marshall Telfer, my other half had been in triathlon for a couple of years before I thought I should have a go at a sprint. I watched him progress to the Ironman distance and vehemently said I would never do one, but the thought of him getting one better got to me. It's my competitive nature, so I couldn't resist and took the plunge. Several years later and rocking the yellow and black pirate, I've never looked back. And the benefit of traveling the world to race is a real perk. My non-triathlon friends think I'm nuts and are happy to come along and support, but would never dream of doing iron distance. I don't think men restrict us ladies. A lot of my male friends in the sport see me as a fair target to try to beat. It's quite flattering, really. I get more hassles from male runners in road races who don't really like being checked. Nice. Many towers got... Taylor's got, I was a marathon runner for many years before I started doing triathlon, and so the Ironman distance had some appeal. Thinking I might have mastered one of the legs already, I was mistaken there. I still haven't had the great result with the run leg and Ironman, so it's got me hooked. I love all the distances in triathlon, and although it costs more than running, and you end up with so much stuff, I think it's taken over the spot for me. I haven't found a man or woman in triathlon to be anything but encouraging, inclusive and welcoming. My family are more involved with triathlon than they ever were with running, joining me with several of the training sessions each week. 
fun one for me is Zoe Young. The sheer challenge of Ironman drew, drew me to it. I participated in many sports, like one of the other commentate, uh, commentators. I was a tomboy as a kid, dreamt of being a soccer player, and predominantly participated in team sports in my younger days and male-dominated sports. The personal sense of achievement in triathlon and, and Ironman in particular have been a key reason why I've stayed with triathlon. My non-sporty friends can't comprehend the distances in Ironman, so no, I don't think they would ever want to. I've always found the men that I train with in triathlon really encouraging. It was a male training buddy that convinced me that I should give Ironman a go. Penny, Penny Cummings got a good one. It's tough and you have to be dedicated to get results. No and no for that. <laughs> That's my kind of answer. P-bomb. <laughs> P-bomb, P-bomb. That's right, yes, people. Um, Jombo, your thoughts? Bevan, this is going to come as a real big shock, but women are different to men. Oh, no. Yeah. No, John, you're wrong. You're yeah, wrong. They are. They really they really are. And Iron Man, look, uh, I'm probably going to alienate our entire audience here. Oh, here we go. Iron Man is a stupid sport and it's selfish. Yeah. And women are obviously a lot less selfish and uh, are a lot less, a lot more clever than most of us blokes. But, you know, when I, if we compare it to other sports, I think it is you know, pretty – a pretty inclusive sport. Um, I don't see there being any big barriers that guys try to put put up. I mean, there's certainly clicky parts of the sport where you know you can sometimes feel a bit intimidated to try to get into the into the sort of the, the local crowd, and there's maybe some little barriers there. But I think it's no more barrier for men than it is for women. I guess I don't know. With my male hat on, I think probably the biggest factor for females getting into the sport and that's not just iron man it's probably the the body issue you know you got to run around in a pair of togs and stuff and i think that's um that's probably pretty intimidating for for some females so yeah i guess this is one by and large that the females have to answer rather than us having our big opinions because it is i I do have some big opinions no (laughs) i do have some thoughts but you are more in touch with your feminine side than me i i I probably am to be honest if we're going to be if we're going to be really upfront about that but um it was interesting. I remember years ago, there's a there's a lady who works at Les Mills, a lady called Jackie Mills, who's the wife of the, she's the owner of the company, basically. Her and her husband own the company, and um, well, it's a family business, but anyway. But Jackie's just one of these. She's probably in her fifties, late fifties, no, probably around fifty, probably early fifties, but just one of these people who's just a wise soul. And I remember talking to her, and she was just talking to me about men, and it was just really interesting hearing her insight on men. And she was talking about the ages of men, and how. Um, Men, generally, when they're young, have to prove that they're a warrior, and that, and that in the world they have to make their mark on the world and prove that they're a warrior. And then she talked about that ultimately, what a lot of men can't do is they can't let go of being the warrior, but their natural progression is to become the wise man as they get older. And a lot of men can't let go of that need to be the warrior still. And when you think about that, like I know that really hit a note for me, and I'm sure a lot of the male listeners out there. Um, listening to this probably agree that a part of me doing the sport was about me proving myself to the world um, and it was a real appealing thing that really drove me really hard to do this kind of really hard sport and I, I think that ultimately for a lot of the guys in our sport that's a real driver this kind of testing myself you know like a warrior would and you maybe not think of it necessarily like a warrior as a fighter but as in someone who wants to test yourself in the most challenging places now it's not to say that women don't have that but I think it's more naturally ingrained in men and I think that's why when we look at the iron distance level of the race that the iron distance does appeal to that kind of factor in people and I wonder if that just because men tend to have that natural need to prove themselves as a warrior that's why the Ironman distance works so much more because uh, if, if we look at anything under you know if we look at short course olympic course 
we see a lot of you know it's pretty much 50 50 really so it's not that women aren't into triathlon it's just there's this level we get to that they aren't so appealed to um i, I think it was really cool to see the feedback from the girls pretty much every girl said no man is man has ever restricted me in my sport now i'm sure there have been some men and 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 you know all the triathlon of all time but you know i, I really don't think there's a, a fundamental kind of sexist nature to our sport and if anything it, you know we you tend to find I men are kind of encouraging about getting people into the sport either sex. So I don't know. I think Adrian's point may have been, you know, it's a, it's a sexist question, but I don't know. I don't think there's nothing wrong with asking questions like that. And I think the response has been pretty overwhelming that actually females feel welcome in the sport and, um, you know, are encouraged by us men. Mm. So there you go. That's my thoughts, John. There's there you go. When you have, once, you have, once you have kids and you see the difference, oh. especially if you have a boy and a girl, you go, hmm. Boys really are different to girls. <laughs> really different. Boys are stupid energy, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. They just got different different drivers. So, yeah. but uh, but that being said, you know, I think there's uh, the, the women's movement to get 50 people in Kona and, and all these discussions go on. Anything that encourages more people, whether they be male or female, to get into the sport and uh, and break down the barriers, you know, I think is fantastic. Okay, John, this week's discussion I, I put off That's last week, and it is a good one. Hypothetical question. If WTC were to force or choose to permanently cancel Kona, which I'm bound, is bound to happen, uh, and hold the World Championship in the Middle East or Asia, would you go? For argument's sake, let's say that your age group competition would remain in the same as Kona, but all the, pro, and all the pros would be there, and it would be suitably challenging, so it would be just as challenging as Kona. So we're saying race would move, the standard of competition. So you know, you know when you go to Kona and your age group, you're gonna have it's gonna be tough. You yeah. know, you're, you're not gonna have an easy age group. So it's gonna be a tough age. Everybody's gonna be there. It's gonna be a course that is like Kona. You know, it's gonna be testing and it's gonna be tough. It's just not gonna be in Kona. It could be in Dubai, for example. Just hypothetically, if they moved it, would you still go? Yep. There we go. Interesting question. Go on, John. Gold question. Okay, let's do no music this week. One, two, three. Age group of the week. week. Okay, Mark, I have to say that one, Livesley. Yep. Uh, sent through this week's uh, age group, and it's got, I know from listening to your shows, you do an age group of the week, and I was hoping that you would be interested in Caroline Lisby. Livesley, I'll say, uh, my wife, who won her age group at Ironman Series with two Ironman wins at Ironman Texas in Austria and third at Kona in her first showing. Wow, that's pretty impressive. In addition to this, she came in second at Ironman National UK Middle Distance Triathlon Championships um, and has decided to race this year in the elite field. Please note, I said elite, not professional, because Caroline is still working full-time 40 hours a week as a chartered civil engineer. She has worked extremely hard and her motivation to train is unprecedented. I would love for her to get some formal recognition and it would be great for her confidence. It would be great to hear from you guys as I look forward to hearing your next podcast. So, Jombo, tell me about us. What stands out here for me is A, she won her, the, the AWA category in pretty convincing fashion. And this. And it's good that when you have people that perform in Kona, they take out the age group because I did know I had a look, quick look through and saw some of the other people just below her who were clearly much slower, but they'd done you know more different races and stuff. Maybe yep. they had three three results, uh, three iron distance results or whatever. So she, firstly, she she stood out by winning the thirty five thirty nine year old age group in the AWA overall. And she did three races. In three races, but in her first showing, got third in Kona. I oh, know, it's impressive, eh? 
that's pretty impressive. So when she went to Kona, she finished, as I said, third out of 81 in 35 to 39. She swam 105, bike 521, and ran 340 for 10.13.19. Pretty impressive. 534th out of 2,187. Nice. Australia, she then, did a 946. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in Texas, 10.02. So she picked up 5,000 points at those two races, which she won her age group at. And then in Kona, for finishing third, she picked up 4,756 to take the race, take the take all the points out and be the winner of the 35-39. So it must be cool. Effort. It must be cool to be that good, eh? You know what I mean? Like, you know, just kind of, I don't know how long she's been doing Ironman 4, but she's obviously pretty sharp. Pretty yeah, sharp. And to crack that up, first time in Kona, impressive. It's not easy. And especially when you come from somewhere, assuming she's from the UK, I think, then, uh, you know, it's not like you live in a, in a climate, a, a Kona-type climate. No. So nice And also work. working full-time, as you, you know, as Mark said, she's working 40 hours a week. She's doing the hard jobs, Jumbo. Getting all the support from hubby as well. Tell you so. what, Mark. I'll tell you what, Caroline. You need to give Mark a big dirty pash tonight. Yeah. Maybe even some benefits with that. That's all I'm saying. But he's Caroline. done a good job. He's a good boy. Caroline Livesley, you are our age group, age group of, the of the week. Love your work. Okay, guys. Three, two, one. Stats, fantastic. It's fantastic. So last week, John John started to show weakness in the statistic because he was saying, "I'm struggling. I'm struggling." And we're only what three months into it, and but. He said, "What? Well, I don't. I couldn't find the Kona records, and uh, both Thorsten and Tim came through with the with." Well, yep, yeah, they they did. So I've got to give them a bit of love for that. Uh, score update in the cricket after oh, 38 yeah. overs, 175 for four. Bangladesh versus New Zealand. I have to say, Bangladesh are doing better than I thought. Oh, they're pretty good. They beat. Uh, shall we remind the listeners that they did beat England the other day oh, to they're... knock England out of the World Cup? <laughs> and you know what's also great is there's a chance it's going to rain on Sunday, so West Indies won't make it through. I know. <laughs> so, so we'll be playing some real minnow. It's, this is working out perfectly. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to anyway back to statistics. So last week, as Bevan said, I was trying to find out what the course records were in Kona for um, the pro athletes. Couldn't find it anywhere, and I did do a fair bit of research. Now, a bit of love for for um, Tim, the tennis player Hemming. <laughs> he came back and he found something from 2011, which is actually quite interesting, but. 2011 is 2011, 2015 is 2015. That's no, not saying anything bad are you, about Are you, are you crapping on the fact he went and did I'm this work? I'm not crapping on Tim. Well, it I'm sounds like saying, you are. He did some research and he found a 2011. Why can't we just do some easy research and find 2014? So that's that's what I'm saying. Good work, Tim. There is some stuff I'm going to bring up. But Torsten saved the day and he came through. So records, current course records for Kona. The total, actually, I'm going to break this into two weeks. Oh, here we go. Oh, well, you're breaking it down with guys and girls. Yeah, so this week is going to be the boys. Okay, nice. And the current course record overall was done in 2011 by Craig Alexander, 8.03.56. Okay, Jonbo prediction, because we'll be doing the show, when will we see the first sub eight? In the next five years? I don't see it coming around anytime soon. I know it's so weather dependent, it's kind of a stupid question, but at the same time, surely. That's the thing, it's just it's not getting any quicker. The reason he set a course record that year was outstanding race, don't oh, yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, blinded that year. But great conditions as well. You've got to have a great race with great conditions. No matter how. Down, but, oh, did they go down as one of the most complete performances ever at that race? It'd have to, wouldn't it? 
Oh, Pete Jacobs' one was pretty awesome as well when he, yeah. he crushed it off the front and that race was over pretty quickly. Yeah. So both of those two were sort of almost mirror images. So outstanding by Crowley in 2011. Current swim course record is 46.41 from Lars Jorgensen in 1998. And I think we both called this one about right last week. The bike record, Norman Stadler, 2006, 4.18.23. Wow. And so then, was, was Chris Ariel was only 10 seconds behind him in the Fuller yeah. record, so you know they're both pretty much on par. Yeah. And then uh, Mark Allen has the run course record, 2.40.04. That's probably the one surprising one that hasn't been beaten. Yeah, that and is surprising. And, 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 and Dave always says it was actually a 238. Mm. Um, what's really interesting is Tim's stats are actually quite good, and I know this is a couple of years behind, so there might have been some changes, but Pete Jacobs actually has the third fastest run in Kona based on 2010, where he did a mm. 241. So of recent times, Pete and Craig, Craig did a 241, Mecca did a 242, but really the top kind of 10 are still older guys. There's only got, three young guys in there. You've got four with Mark Allen, you've got Luke Van Laird, Dave Scott. And Dave Scott. Yeah. yeah. So Oliver Olivier Bernard. Who was yeah. he? Was he pretty he good? He was a Swiss dude. Um that year, don't know where he finished, but I, I think he got on the podium once maybe in Kona. Um but he won a lot of uh different Ironman races around the world. I think he won Ironman New Zealand once. Interestingly on the the, the the bike times again, that's where it's a bit different. We don't have any of the old uh old guard except for Thomas Hellriegel and mm. there he's currently sitting about eighth place with a four twenty four, but you've got you know Chris Lieto in there a couple of times, and then twenty eleven was clearly a fast year. You had Chris Lieto, who was only ten seconds or nine seconds, as Bevan said, off the record. But you also had Craig Crowey, Luke McKenzie, and Dirk Bockel all riding four twenty four, which is the fifth, sixth, and seventh fastest time of all That's time. That's what makes Crowey's race so impressive that year. Because if you go, okay, if you go, Dirk Bockel's going to be at the front, Luke McKenzie, Chris Lieto, you go, yep, those guys mm. are not bar cyclists. Crowey. Mm. You know that, that year was he was that was a master blaster of a race. Yep, absolutely. All those other guys up there are mostly cyclists who hang on to the run. You know, um, Crowey is the only runner out of that group. And then he had a great run as well that year too, didn't he? Like he yeah. still had a solid run. So in the swim, the swim is the fascinating thing. We've got no real modern. You know, I suppose no. two thousand and nine. So we, we've got to, the, the reason we've got to remember that is back a lot of these course um records for the the guys uh yeah 2008 95 98 86 um back then it was a lot easier to qualify as a pro than it is these days so you did get a lot of swimmers who were just could just hang on i mean i qualified as a pro out of ironman new zealand and i'm not pro standard sort of athlete when i'm uh, even remotely close to that so a lot of these guys it was a lot easier to qualify and so you know guys like Gan Sieberson and stuff they were fantastic swimmers didn't necessarily back it up with the rest of the race so uh, do you what kind of time are the top swimmers like a, like a pot's doing now as it comes out of the water oh, they're not far off that they're sort of usually either well, it varies a lot depending on the conditions but they don't typically go under 50 by much yeah. Even the top guys, you know, if they if it's a fast year, they're a little bit under fifty, um, but not massively. So if you give me, uh, you, you tell us about what you've been. Well, no, uh, no, I'm just trying to pull it up right now. So I'm in World Championships. I'm just looking at last. Oh, it's seventy point three bugger. Wait a second. Um, I'm in World Championships. I'm in. I'm in Championships at September, October, October, October. I'll, I'll give it to you in two seconds, there, Bevan. Okay, you you just wait there because I, I got. Oh, we got another wicket, John. We got another wicket. Oh, go. nice. Cricket update. So you've got guys like Freddie Van Laird in 2013. They were coming out in 51, and he's usually towards the front. 
Uh, and then the following year, uh, early year 2012, Pete Jacobs, you know, he's normally out the front, 51. So times are... Actually quite so significant pots, off, really, aren't they? Pots is 50, 32 in 2012. So as I said, don't see many going under 50. And I dare say that the swimmers are of equal calibre, pretty close to equal calibre, like Potts is, you know, he's right up there in terms of a swimmer. Um, you would just question whether the course accuracy is a little bit better these days. Do, do, um, and also, like, Potts is trying to place, whereas mm. was when Lars and those guys were actually doing it, were they just out by themselves or was there a pack around them? In oh, those yeah, days? no, they were out by themselves. Okay, so it was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Was there, week has there the ever bo- been swim prems? Like, do, do they have swim prems for Kona? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, I know they the bike prem and the run prem, but um, no, they have swim prem because remember last year they had uh, Fredino and um, and uh, Fredino and Potts basically smashing each other coming up uh, the side of the pier trying to get first oh, out of the water. Right. Now there may not have been a prem then, but there's still plenty of prestige to be first out of the water. And wetsuit, wetsuit sponsors love that crap, don't they? Because mm. we'll buy the wetsuit because they're first out of the water. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, Jai, and um, so next week's statistic it's going to be on the fastest woman's of all time, <laughs> which I have to say, Mary and Baker still being in there made me pretty happy. Sponsor. Trainer Road. Oh, joy. Now, what you got to do, guys, is uh, you got to go onto the Trainer Road. If you signed up, um, get on there and basically go and join up to our I Am Talk team. And then, if you're not signed up, get on it. Ten bucks a month. You can't go wrong, especially if you're trying to get into shape for your upcoming summer. What we're going to be releasing, uh, the plan is to release it during the week, is to start a two-week boot camp, and that's going to be a selection of workouts designed to whip you guys into shape or whip your biking into shape. You know, typically over winter, you kind of let that go a bit. Sometimes you're biking, you might be focusing on your running a bit more, you're swimming, might be too cold. If you need two weeks to whip your biking into shape, this is going to be a great thing to do. And then once you're part of the I Am Talk team, you can also go onto our little page and we've sort of got a message board that you can go onto. And what I did up there a couple of weeks ago was uh, just sort of posted the question, you know, what is your favourite trainer road workouts? And uh, a number of people went on there and commented, and there's a, a bunch of workouts that I haven't heard of before, and you can uh, just get on there, and because uh, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of workouts on trainer road, you can filter them, you know, based off intensity, based off how long you want to be on there, etc., etc. But if you want to just get on there and find some of the, you know, some of the, the listeners' favourites, some of my favourites, just go on to the I Am Talk team. We've just about got up to 300 members on there now, which is kind of cool. And then you, once you're in there, you simply click on, what do we got, forum, and then I've got favourite or go-to trainer workouts. And uh, we had a bunch of people comment on there, some cool workouts. It seems that some of the Sufferfest ones are particularly favourited a number of times. Oh, nice. Good old Jonathan Lee from Trainer Road. He's put in a bunch of ones that he likes, both for mountain biking and for road and try. Um, I'll put my sort of go-to ones, which are Peavine, Great Granite and Coliseum. And then a bunch of other guys have also commented on there as well. So get on their team and we will have our little two-week challenge starting up next or during the week. Good times, rock and roll, guys. That's trainerroad.com. Um, okay, Jumbo, we've got, a, we've got an interview here. So who is it with, Jumbo? Baden Curry. So here it comes. Here we go. Baden Curry. 
Righty ho, um, we're coming towards the end of uh, our season down under, and for you Northern Hemisphere athletes, you're going to be starting to crack into your season. And one of the names that has been popping up on the radar down here is a well, a couple of multi sporters that have been uh, making a bit of a transition across to triathlon. One of them is Braden Curry. He's the coast to coast champion. We've talked about that race lots on the show before, um, but more importantly, in the triathlon world, he had a fantastic race up at uh, our Tauranga Half Ironman, which is one of our uh, major races and looking to make a bit of a bit of a, a lean towards triathlon possibly or at least we're going to find out about that today so um, Braden Curry welcome along to the show yeah thanks guys good to be here um so what, what's the what's the story are you making a move across to triathlon or are you sort of gonna keep you know dabbling in, in triathlon exterra multi-sport and pretty much everything in between um i'm always a bit of a dabbler i get bored in one sport (laughs) but um nah i think probably for me this year more of a focus uh will tend towards um exterior well my main focus will be exterior and then also half ironman nice so so why the move you know if we look at um what you're doing in multi-sport right now you're you're very much the dominant guy you know you're coast to coast multi-champion you know you I know you had that other kind of crazy race that you had down in Wanaka this year. You know, you know you're kind of dominating the sport. Why is triathlon more appealing right now? Uh, for me, it's um, sort of that evolution of challenge in a way. Okay. Uh, obviously, I really enjoy the multi-sport racing and have done it, but uh, for probably sustainability financially and for a new challenge, then it's really cool just to be able to open the doors up a little bit and um, see where I can go with it. Is that, that that was one of the questions we've sort of discussed on the show in the past. You know, for you, you know, it seems that at least in New Zealand you get pretty good exposure through your through your multi sport, especially the coast to coast. And you know, I know you know, see your name popping up with with the Red Bull stuff here and there. Yet when you go into the triathlon world, it's going to be a you know, it's a it's a bigger pond. And um, even if you went off somewhere and won a seventy point three or something in, in America, it's probably going to get less exposure, at least back here. Um, how do you how do your sponsors sort of feel about that? Are they do they just sort of give you free free reign to do whatever you want, or how do they measure their investment in you? Yeah, I mean, it's always an interesting question. And, um, you know, when it comes down to it, they always say grassroots is just as important as international for those guys, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, you know, Red Bull is a massive company and uh, they, you know, they do get a lot of a, a lot of exposure in the States and that that they accept as being really good exposure as well, um, sort of crossing over with Red Bull America. Uh, and then also, I guess, for it being winter here and being our down season, then, you know, any exposure that can be leached back here from it is um, mm. is a great thing. So, no, they're fully supportive of anything that I want to do, whether it's exterior, whether it's tri, whether it's halves, mm-hmm. whether it's Ironman, you know, um, or multi-sport or adventure racing, uh, anything that I sort of goes is my choice, which is pretty cool. In regards to, um, you know, most when we see multi-sporters coming across, their swims, you know, not their strong point, and it's often a bit of a problem, you know, if we look at Dougal, we were in Wanaka this year, you know, like you've sat far behind. Uh, but for you, you obviously have some kind of swimming background. you want to just tell us a little about where you come from in the pool? Yeah, well, I don't know if I have a huge amount of background. Um, <laughs> to give you an example, uh, I just sort of started swimming oh, about three years ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, 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 got into it. You do my head in, mate. I spent for years and I was, oh, it's crap. 
Kona. I still consider myself as crap, but um, I'm getting through it. Um, so I sort of uh, it's been it's been a really hard challenge, obviously switching back and forward from kayaking all the time, um, and it's really hard balanced that sorted, but. For me, um, yeah, I just got into it for Xterra reasons, um, wanting to race, start racing more Xterra, and then I thought, oh, you know, shit, my swimming's getting all right, and I'll go see what I can do, and I went to the States and uh, did a 51.50, that St. Anthony's race, Mm. and uh, I think the girl started, what, two and a half minutes or three minutes behind us, and I remember coming out of the water with Nikki Samuels, so, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) my swimming wasn't too sharp back then. and, you know, I'm sort of about three or four minutes off the pace of even Tom Davidson and those guys out of the water. So uh, for me, it's been, yeah, it's been a reasonably quick process, but um, I worked pretty hard on it for short stints and it seems to be getting there now. Well, can I ask, oh, in terms of, um, you know, the, the season's racing in, in Tauranga, you know, you, I, I noted that you you came out of the swim, you know, the, the splits were saying exactly with Brownie and, um, and Crowey. So, I mean... Maybe talk us through through that swim, and, and you must have been pretty pumped to come out of the water with those guys, knowing that you know in your mind you could probably match them, if not beat them, on the other two disciplines. Yeah, it's um, it's been a good evolution, and I think actually I don't actually know how the splits worked here because I think I came out about thirty seconds in front of those guys. Nice. Um, with uh, Ryan Sissons and Mark Bosted, um, yep. and then O'Grady was out in front of us, so. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good spot to be in, and uh, you know I didn't feel like I had to work very hard to be in that spot. So um, yeah, it's awesome um, to be there and to know that you know if it's if half Ironman or Ironman, and this is the sort of journey that I go down, then uh, my swim's sort of almost fast enough to to be there at the front. So many of our listeners uh, start triathlon late in life, and, and I did myself when I did triathlon, and I had no swim background at all. Uh, you know, far out, you're, you're swimming pretty impressively. What have been the keys to be able to, in such a short time, be able to swim? So obviously you're a pretty fit guy, but, you know, swimming is such a technique kind of movement. Uh, what do you think have been the keys to make you successful? Um, probably for me, it's just been dedication, actually. So uh, committing to doing a lot of swimming and uh, doing, yeah, sort of a variation in my training uh, towards swimming and I mean, I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by some pretty good people like like of Nicky Samuels and those guys that um, I've been able to join in uh, and swim sort of structured sessions with her. And I think that's sort of taken my swimming to the next level because um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have really pushed myself that hard if it wasn't for those guys. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I went through a few, few months of a lot of pain and uh, dragging on the back and getting smashed session after session and... Uh, now I'm sort of at the point where I can feel comfortable enough to go out and uh, and swim with those guys and train with those guys, which is good. What kind of volume were you doing at that time? Well, the only real big chunk of swim training I did three and a half weeks in France um, at Font Rameau, and I think I was doing six days a week and anywhere between five and seven k sessions. Nice, Bevan. Did you do that? No, unfortunately, maybe there the reason why swimming never got any better. There you go. <laughs> Um, so obviously, we, we in Christchurch we saw you, you know, winning the coast to coast. It didn't look like it was the um, quite the cape walk that, that perhaps I thought it might have been. It looked like you were, you know, pushed most of the way, um, and then you doubled up and went to do Challenge Wanaka. So maybe tell us what your your expectations were going into that race, given that it was only a week apart, and whether you sort of whether things went to plan for you. 
Yeah, uh, it was it was good actually. It was a really good experience, and um, I yeah honestly I didn't know what to expect from it. It was first ever Ironman or well, challenge full distance, so that was going to be a whole new experience in its own. Um, and stepping off the back of coast, then I didn't know how that would affect me. But um, but recovery went really well. I had a great week in between, and I felt awesome during the whole week, and was actually quite excited about racing. And so yeah, to step out there and come out of the water in a pretty good position and feeling really good. Um, you know, I was, I was quietly excited about how the race could unfold and then, uh, yeah, got into that bike ride and still I still felt really good and wasn't losing any time and thought, oh, you know, maybe I can just hang in here and uh, and then it probably hit my sort of, the fatigue kind of kicked in and um, <laughs> everything started falling to pieces, really. I mean, mentally, I was in a really good place, so that was cool. Um, but other than that, I was struggle town. And uh, I guess it's probably a lot of it would be training as well. You know, like coast, you don't do a lot of bike training and especially not over the 100K kind of mm, um, yeah. section. So, you know, like my longest rides were two hours, three hour rides, and that was about it. Mm. where you know if you really want to race an Ironman well then you got to go out there and do a 200k ride and I'd never done one so Mm. um yeah that was kind of a new once I hit that 110k mark and uh sort of went into a new era it was um it was pretty tough times and yeah it's funny because the same thing happened on the run you know I came out of transition and felt great and was looking at my watch thinking oh three minute ten three minute ten uh, three minute (laughs) Three minute twenty, three minute thirty. I was like, "Holy oh, shit, I'm flying!" And then I got to like twenty one k, and I look at my watch, and it's like five minutes, four forty, <laughs> five minutes. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's about my threshold right now. That's about my max right now. So um, it was a cool experience, you know. And I mean, I can't get wrapped up in the result because for me, I, I was pretty happy with how the actual race went and how I felt through it, and the fact that I really enjoyed it. And I do openly look forward to having potentially a future in it when in you know a few years time once i've done sort of the short distance stuff nice. um, what regards to changes in your training changes in my training yeah, towards... like, is it not from multi-sport to triathlon yeah i mean it's a hard balance hey eh? like it, it really is to to decide what you're going to run on and um, whether you're going to go and do a technical hard run or a long run or short run um and then kayaking too you know it's just another massive workload that you've got to try and squeeze in there um so i didn't do any swimming between port of tauranga and coast um and just kind of went into challenge with uh no swimming and hoped that i'd get through and i did nice so in terms of your future you know you've sort of said this year mainly um focusing on Xterra, um, maybe some halves and stuff. So, but, but going forward, you know, what are your aspirations and goals? Like, are you thinking Kona? Are you thinking 70.3 worlds? Or, um, you know, if we're talking about in the triathlon world, you know, what, what are the, the sort of the ultimate goals for you? Mm, uh, I mean, that's been a really um, tricky question up until this point. I've been really struggling to make that decision. Um, but for me, I've got some pretty clear focuses now. And uh, I think most of it's going to start this year. We're just trying to focus on exterior and do as well as I can at that, you know, and give it everything because I don't really feel like I have yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also follow into um, Half Ironman uh, once the Worlds is over in October. So start leaning into doing more and more halves through summer and potentially not even racing multi-sport next summer um, oh, and wow. just 
rolling straight in and trying to sort of do um, Taupo and um, potentially go and do Bahrain and things like that and just see where that takes me. Um, and then, yeah, follow on from there and keep racing. Nice. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, the Red Bull Defiance because I know you had that event down there in Wanaka. I had one of the athletes that I coached down there um, going through the course. Is um, yep. tell, us, tell us a little bit about that and, and anything um, you want to promote about what you're doing. Yeah, cool. Um, I mean, that's been a really cool uh, evolution with Red Bull as a partnership. Um, that obviously, they're really into supporting their athletes and what they want to do. And um, I came up with uh, Longs of Dougal Allen to the idea of starting a race in New Zealand, two people, and being able to race across uh, a pretty set course around Wanaka. Um, so that was awesome, and we really enjoyed the race last year, and I think the feedback was awesome from a lot of people. Uh, so that was great. And then it's going to carry on into uh, what? So 2016, so January next year, is going to be its second race. Great. Um, and yeah, no, things are looking really good for it, and Red Bull's really behind it, and it's going to be more and more athletes brought out to race it. So that's going to be pretty exciting to see what happens. It did look pretty crazy. I, I saw the documentary or the TV thing they had on it. It looked like a pretty kind of mad event. Yeah, yeah, it's really highlights what we've got in Wanaka, you know, and. Um, it's awesome, you know, we've got a run like Skyline right on our doorstep man, where you can go out, it's 23k from Wanaka and back again that's got nearly 2,000 metres climbing in it, you know, and it's open and it's exposed and it's um, it's a really cool feeling when you're up there so, you know, we're really lucky to have terrain like that and I think it's really cool to be able to put on an event that highlights it and um, shows what, what there is to offer around here. Oh, John? The, the, the final, probably the final question I've got is how, how do you make it all work in terms of the, the family unit? Because I, I, I know you've got kids and I saw in your little uh, Skype ID yeah, it looked like you had one and, and uh, another one. So how do you make it all work in terms of you know, A, making a living out of this so you can support your family and B, um, travelling the world, do they come or how do, how do you make it all work? Um, I've got a very clever wife uh, <laughs> who, does, who makes most of it work and I just follow along. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we're pretty lucky. Eh? Like, um, we, well, we're not lucky. We've probably worked pretty hard um, to get where we are, but we've obviously got the ability now to apply ourselves to it completely. And, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully financially we can survive from racing and sponsorship and, uh, and then also just other ventures that we do. And, yeah, it's been really amazing to have the support of my wife and the kids, and they all travel with me. So that's uh, that's really cool to have them. They're going to come to the States for six months this year and uh, be based over there, and we're in Europe for four months last year. So um, I don't have to go that time apart, um, which makes a huge difference. And, you know, I feel like, for me, it's something that, as an athlete, sometimes you get a bit lost because you don't feel like you've got a life Mm-hmm. outside of it um mm-hmm. where you know i'm really lucky that i've got beautiful family and um people around me all the time and uh you know i don't have that downtime thinking now oh, what am i doing this is kind of getting boring or anything so yeah i'm really lucky does that add um like a you know a, a kind of pressure there you know obviously you've got to create an income does that kind of in the racing game does that actually is that on your mind when you're racing or is it very much you kind of keep that outside of your mind when you're racing Oh, no, I mean, financial pressures are always going to be a huge one Um, for us. We live off it. So, yeah, Mm. I mean, I try to take it as positive as possible and um, have it as a bit of a stimulant to race in a way. 
and uh, yeah, no, that's um, as part of trying to enjoy racing, then trying to fin- financially survive in what we do, and um, being a professional athlete as part of it is winning to make money. So um, I definitely use it as a tool when it, things hurt. I say, well, well, there's another thousand dollars in the pocket. Go harder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just with regards to the culture, you know, like because multi-sport is and and triathletes have a, a similar kind of mindset. There are different cultures. What have been some of the differences you've seen within the cultures, and, and maybe even the difference between racing like a coast-to-coast and an Ironman race? Yeah, um, I mean, it is a completely different mental um, game, I guess, like, I mean, on-road racing and things like that, and uh, when you're off-road, I think there's a lot more stimulation going on around um, making things feel like you're moving a whole lot faster, where um, you kind of go into a bit of a hypnotic state when you're doing a whole lot of road racing, just to be able to keep pushing it hard, um, but a whole lot's not changing around you. Um, so yeah, that's been a bit of a difference for me and trying to get used to that and trying to be able to stay focused when I'm on my time trial bike and things. Um, and in the way the people is, I mean, they are really different people. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> really? Two different races, you know, it's always going to happen that way. Um, and yeah, I laugh sometimes when I walk around triathlons because it is such a different culture um, to multi-sport and you know, we're just so much more relaxed in multi-sport adventure racing, and I guess it's probably been that way because there hasn't been, it hasn't probably been a very professional sport for years. So, um, yeah, I guess a lot of the professionalism and triathlons filtered down into the age groupers and um, all the rest of it. So, it's it's quite funny. I always chuckle to myself when I see it. But um, we can be a bit serious, can't we? You can take it a bit serious. <laughs> hey, you can all look a bit like you got your nice jackets on and hair done and stuff. <laughs> 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 pulling your nice bike out where the multi-sorters are still in their jandals and singlet and ready to go so um, it's pretty funny but I mean I enjoy both of them I really enjoy racing and yeah I probably really enjoy the competitiveness as well of triathlon and how I mean how close the racing can be in the depth of the field that if you have a bad day you can be a long way back where multi-sport in New Zealand you have a bad day you might still still make the podium I, I was doing the voice work at um, Coast to Coast when you came out of the boat and, uh, oh, yeah. and and you look like you were struggling, to be honest, in, in all fairness. And uh, M, M Power Cookie always goes to me, oh, no, Braden always looks like he's struggling. <laughs> is, that, is that kind of true? Uh, yeah, I've probably always got a reasonably focused hurt face on. Yeah, um, nice. You've got the ugly face <laughs> happening. It's good. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be focused. It doesn't come easy. I mean, be a worry if it did. So, yeah, yeah I, I, still, I still struggle through it, even though um, I've been there a few times. And um, I guess my final one for you is uh, if people want to follow you and stuff, are you much of a Twitter, a Facebook, a website? If people want to keep in touch with what you're doing, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. It's got a Facebook page, Braden Curry Multisport, and Twitter, um, Braden Curry, and uh, Instagram, and also on my website, it's got all the links to that too. And I try and keep the website as updated as possible. So it's always got sort of my calendar going on and what I've been up to and, um, yeah, equipment that I use and things like that. Awesome. Uh, no, I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your progress. You're, um, you know, the, the, as we said, you know, so often the multi sporters can't swim, and um, but you've clearly shown that you can. So does my uh, head. You've done it in three years. Yeah, does my head. head in. Yeah, and uh, so now I'm really looking forward to seeing how you go, and especially when you uh, come back next summer and uh, start taking on some of the boys at the half Ironman again. So thanks so much for your time, and um, yeah, we look forward to following your progress later in the year. Yeah, awesome. Cheers, guys. Good to chat. Awesome. Thanks for your time, mate. One second, I'll just write down 36. 11, 36. Okay.
Jombo, we are back, and your thoughts? You know, he could go a long way. He's, um, yeah, I mean, you, he seems he, to be he, pretty talented, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, but just he, like kind of gifted in a way, really, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, we saw Richard Usher make the crossover, and, and he has he did an amazing race and, and wrote one year. But Baden Curry is a step above um, Richard in terms of his swimming. Richard got his swimming to a really good level, but not to the level where he's probably going to come out in front of, say, Cam Brown and Crowley and stuff like that. So It did blow my mind away around, around his swimming, like, three years. Like, it's hard to think that, like, obviously, he's, he's, like, not many guys can, in three years, be swimming of that standard. Above mm. Brownie, you know, who's been a triathlete his whole career. It's pretty mm. impressive, isn't it? That's oh, very impressive. He's clearly very talented. And and once, what's more is he hasn't spent, like, year on year swimming. It's been blocks of swimming. Yeah. So, no, look out for him. Uh, he's, he's a fantastic exterior athlete as well. And, so is it, um, like, chances of him winning the world champs in exterior? Oh, yeah, re- yeah, no, reasonable. There's some pretty bloody good uh, mountain bikers. I don't know what Baden's – like some of those dudes on the mountain bike are pretty sensational. But yeah. in terms of Baden going out there and doing really well at 70.3s, I think highly likely. He's not in the same caliber, I don't think, as, say, Fredino and uh, and those guys in terms of meddling at 70.3 worlds. But absolutely no reason why he couldn't go out there and win um, you know, multiple 70.3 titles. Really excited to see what happens with his career. You know, like yeah. I think it's a really – um, it's, it's a kind of sad for multi sport, really. Like if he doesn't do coast next year, because coast coast is such a, it's kind of the iconic event, at least within this region of the world, for multi sport. And it's in some ways it's disappointing for those guys to lose, you know, a guy who potentially could have won it for years. Um, you know, he may go back, but uh, Fire Out's going to be really fascinating watching his progression forward. So keep an eye out, team. Keep an eye out, Braden Curry. Okay, Jumbo sponsor. Extreme endurance. One thing that Braden Curry could have benefited from in his recovery is a bit of extreme execute. Yes, the tell key me about thing it. With this, it is bloody tasty. I, when I was training up for Cone last year, I used to love having my execute. It's just like a chocolate milkshake. It's absolutely delicious. Ugh. And uh, just chuck some milk in. I used to just chuck milk in there, ice it, ice, and then just whip it all together. And uh, jobs are good. So it's nice when you're, of, it's, it's nice when you're, you know, your good supplements are also a treat nutritionally. Oh, yeah. You know? You've got to force things down. It's never much fun. No, so no. 20 grams of protein, 1,500 grams of lactate, lowers your exercise-induced body acid, uh, great muscle recovery and repair, provides continuing energy source, decreases muscle burn, and it's got all those good vitamins, B6, B12, vitamin D, electrolytes. And the last bullet point they've got on their website is great taste. So check it out. Execute. Remember, use the promo code until the start of April. I am talk 10. Gets you 10% off any of your orders. You can use that on all the websites.com.eu and uh, .co.uk. So get on it. Get yourself a discount. You guys that are going into your season, you, know, you might as well bulk order and get yourself sorted for the whole season and get 10% off. So Well, and that's, that's better than we normally get, guys. So do, you know, oh, who yeah. knows what will happen afterwards. So as I was saying, stock up now. So no Last time we yeah, we had five bucks off, whereas you know, if you go, how many months is it to my key, key race? I need yep. three months worth of extreme endurance. I need a couple of uh, execute or whatever. Um, get on it and just do a bulk order and get yourself a nice discount. There we go. Okay, guys, extreme endurance, xendurance.com, guys, check it out. People love it. Okay, Jumbo questions, questions and answers. answers. Do you get a bit smelly in your office? No, I never smell. Oh. Okay, of course just, not. Well, smell of roses, maybe. Oh, you know? of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, when I came around to your house, seriousness, my office stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I have to say, 
I've got so many pits right now, and my office stinks really bad. <laughs> I've even got my window open, it's not helping. What's that about? Okay, what, do you, what, what, what have we got here? Well, I've only got one item, it's not even a question, it's just a little piece of news that I noted when I was actually looking at our age group of the week earlier on. I was just looking at the AWA, and then I saw a point that I haven't seen in the, in the news anywhere, but all new for 2015, Ironman athletes can earn valuable all-world athlete and age group ranking points back up they can pay for it can they 5150 yeah. oh. 5150 races oh, and really? they can also do it at lifetime races like, really what part of the world are those races in America yeah it's a bit weird isn't it it's, I mean I, I get it they, they, they now own or have a very strong relationship with those um, events but yeah but John let's, let's, let's take it back a step what's the point of all world athlete oh yeah no, to sell get, race injuries Yep. So, so and yeah. I'm just not it's not it's not rant worthy, but just, just saying just slightly disappointing. Slightly disappointing. You do it's good, you look rant. after Dr. Dave, Dr. Feelgood, and then yeah. you let us down. Yeah. <laughs> up. One step up, two steps back. Just got a quick email from Pete Thor Thias. Um he was just saying Nina Dobson, last week's age group of the week, he was saying he passed her while she was saving that dude's life in Auckland seventy point three. Uh, it really puts a reality in what could happen in a race. It's a bit of a shock mentally, but he went on to complete his race. But he's just saying she's pretty bloody impressive. So, yeah. We're going to have a pause in a second to, to work out our patrons because we haven't quite uh, done the nicknames, so we'll do that in a moment. But I love it when the patrons start using their nicknames with each other. I had an email in from Robert Flynn. I'm having a drink with Richard the Scary Bear Waddington. Nice. Who says I am the owl with no vowel. Nice. It's so gold. Use, use your nicknames, no yeah. matter how good or bad they might be. And if you know someone in your local club or you're locally trained with and they get a nickname, make sure you start calling the nickname, Okay. And let's be honest, we 99% of the time we give great nicknames. Yeah. Sometimes we don't. We admit it. What's 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 been the worst nickname? What was that one you called John Newsom? Who was the who, No, I called DP. Oh yeah, DP, that was gold. Yeah, that yeah. was gold. That was gold. <laughs> Met him in Kona as well. <laughs> that was gold. Yeah. Uh, right, we'll be back in uh, amazing powers of podcasting. We'll be back in now. Okay, John, we're back. We had that we had two second break and we're into the patrons and we've, we've named them all, but I didn't write them down. You've got them written down, so away we go. And remember, guys, um, if you become part of our patrons, that helps us get to Kona every second year. So it's a uh, big help to us on a you know, weekly basis, but also means we get to go to Kona and produce all those shows that you guys love. So first up, we've got Raymond Grandmaster Pinario. And I have to say, that goes down as one of our best nicknames of all time. That's a good nickname. Next one. <laughs> We're not necessarily our best work. Uh, James Hoblin Izzy Barbossa, call it. So what happened there? I think that might have been from your name generator, maybe. That's a weird one. Lucky, I, Hoblin I think a- Izzy Barbossa. Okay, so what we might do, unless you gave us a nickname, surely, because <laughs> even if I generated I don't think I would have gone with that one. I think we can option him for Coolio, because what's his last name? Call it. Call it. So call it Coolio. Okay, yeah, I'm going to put that back in. The we'll put that as an option. You, you can choose. Was it James of it? Yeah, you James can choose Cor- James. Okay, Cor- you can Leo. choose. Coolio, call it. That's right. Des the Seagull Atkinson. What's that one from? Uh, got a picture up there. He came over to my Poland camp one year. Oh, nice. I think he just kind of swoops in under the radar That's and right. uh, and just steals your stuff from steals right your bread. <laughs> and then Shane Trinsetter Reeves. Nice. And the reason why he Trinsetter because I went to a guy a school with a guy called. Shane Reeves and he was the coolest you know how there's just that guy at school who's just like the coolest guy uh, 
I, I felt that. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> and uh, with, like Shane Reeves would buy a new pair of shoes, and in the next week, everyone would have those shoes. He was just he, he, he was just cool, and so that's why I went with the trendsetter, Shane. So you're the trendsetter. And finally, uh, just qualified for Kona last weekend, Natalie, the energy source Gaskin. Nice. And the reason we went with that one was because John called her a nutritionist once. It turns out she's not. She's a lawyer. <laughs> Get that right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we thought, well, let's go something energy-wise and the, the energy source. So she delivers on the energy. Nice. Sure, Dino agrees too. Good stuff. They're both off to Kona. John, I have to say, I'm just on the F-Links Facebook page right now. Are you, have you got Facebook on? Uh, I can I can get that for you, Ben. They've just got this really cool photo. Um, they've got a pretty awesome photo. Athlete lights up every mile at the LA Marathon this Friday night. So obviously the LA Marathon's happening soon. And what ASICs have done is they've done like these big bat signs. And, you know, so every K, oh, yeah. they have a big light coming out of the sky. And you can mm. see the whole, can you, can you see that photo? Cool, it's yeah. pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. So if you're like staying in LA right now and you think I'm doing the marathon tomorrow, you can see all the lights. Pretty cool. Anyway, John, by what's your goss? Oh, sponsors. Sponsors. Athlinks.com. Go like, like Facebook, their Facebook page. page. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Trainer Road. Uh, get in the get in the group. And Extreme Endurance. Extreme Endurance. <laughs> buffer, Jumbo. What's your gossip, mate? What's your gossip? Right, my gossip is we're, we're running over time and I've yeah. got to go to the court theatre tonight, so I have to go and feed my troops and get the hell out of here. What do you do for babysitters? We have a babysitter coming in from 6 o'clock. What, and it, what does it cost you for a babysitter? What do we pay? I think we're paying, uh, we sort of hover. If, it, if, it's, if they're required to do anything, we pay 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, if it's just not $2. literally watching TV... It's a little bit less than that. Uh, how old's the babysitter? Uh, 20. Yeah. Oh, so it's an adult. Yeah, a triathlete. So it's oh. good for her. student. Nice. Yeah. nice. Easy money. Just sit and watch TV or do a bit of study. Win win. So my goss is, uh, by the time you will have heard this, we will have had a new champion triathlete, Thomas Newsom, uh, winning the overall title at the Weepix Kiwi Kids Triathlon. Don't put expectations no on your kids. Don't put, don't, don't, don't do yeah, it. Actually, you can't get placings at any time. So. No, everyone so gets a medal, John. Everyone gets a medal. He's pretty pumped. Is it, when is it? Sunday. So it was, it was actually, no, it was two days ago. It was a marvellous day. I can't believe they had it as the first piece on the news. It was mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Newsom. Uh, so I don't really have any gossip other than uh, the, what is the current score, Bevan? Let me have an update. Let me have a look. Current score. 216 for five. I have to say, yeah. they've done pretty well, and I hope their guy gets 100. One, one guy's on 93. I hope he gets 100 because he's obviously had a pretty good knock and he deserves to get 100, so good yeah. luck. Evan, you're off modelling. Yeah, I'm going to be modelling. I'm going to Hemna and Akaroa, as nice. you do. It should be fun. Yeah. And then, Philip uh, Hogan coming on this one? No, no. I'll actually be in the photos this time, not in the background. <laughs> <laughs> me and Phil. I got Phil's email. Joe gives me hard time because I go, he calls my mate, me and Phil, my mate. So that's good. Uh, and then what else happening? Not much really. Just uh, looking forward to next week. Next week, John, because the real cricket begins now. Yes. You know, I know people are loving this cricket update. Our American listeners, we're getting 20 emails a day from people saying, give us more cricket. We should make I this told a cricket you know podcast. Just, just tell them the truth. We're getting 200 a day. Okay, I know. But I just get sick of it, John. I just don't want to break their hearts. Um, so, yep, the cricket's next week. And other than that, John Bo, not much gossip. I'm, I'm doing Legends of Triathlon interview next week. Bevan's away, but I'm looking forward to it with Valerie Silk. If you've got any questions you want, uh, actually, by the time this comes out, I will have done it. Who's I'll post Valerie Silk, on Facebook. She is the first ever race director of Ironman in Hawaii, and she's a lovely lady and uh, got some good stuff from the, the very early days. And she, But without her, 
categorically we would not have the sport that we have today in terms of Ironman. There you go, Valerie Silk. This is going to be a really good interview. Hopefully um, you do a good job. I will. Oh. <laughs> I'm putting the pressure Iron on. Iron Rust. Iron Man don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.